Britney Spears comes out as an atheist, saying that there can't be a God if he let her children and family treat her the way that they have. And with the anniversary of 9-11 being two days away, we look at how it gave birth to a number of false religious and atheistic movements after the aftermath of the evil day. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of different stories and really examining atheism as a whole because of not only the comments made by pop star Britney Spears, but also with 9-11, the anniversary of it happening in two days, we're going to be looking at how atheists have really used that day as a marker to push their agenda and ultimately their religious movement, because that's exactly what atheism is. But let's get right back into this understanding of what took place with Britney Spears as she posted an audio clip after her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, and her own child had been interviewed by 60 Minutes Australia. And she gave a scathing report about how she's been treated by her own family, her father, as well as her ex-husband, who she says she's been giving $40,000 a month to. But let's actually hear her own words as to why she no longer believes in God. God would not allow that to happen to me if a God existed. I don't believe in God anymore because of the way my children and my family have treated me. There is nothing to believe anymore. I'm an atheist, y'all. Wow. Well, for those who don't know, um, Britney Spears had grown up in a house that claimed to be Christian. Uh, They went to a Southern Baptist church as she was a child and Even recently, Brittany had said, I don't need therapy, I just go to God. And ultimately, all these struggles with the conservative shift that was just let go of by her father who was watching over her and so forth, she would say, hey, I just go to God now. And now recently is saying, I no longer believe in God because of the actions of my own children and my own father and really the whole family. And I want to point out a couple of things. One, Britney Spears is actually a cautionary tale for parents when it comes to wanting to push their children into stardom or celebrity, whether you look at the Miley Cyruses of the world or Britney Spears herself. It looks like that the Mickey Mouse Clubs and the Nickelodeons and the Disney Channel has pushed these stars to the brink of death, many of which have actually passed on. When you look at some of the famous stars and the drugs and everything, Demi Lovato not knowing if she's a man, a woman, a them or they or whatever, and it's such a heartbreaking reality that so many of them go through these breakdowns and feel used by their own family members when it comes to them filling their bank account while their children are paraded around like puppets, only for them to eventually turn into a person very similar to Britney Spears here, where she looks back on that and it's just wickedness, it's just sadness, and just despair. 
Now, I want to point out three different things when I hear this audio clip, because first and foremost, when I look at it, it doesn't even seem like she's being serious, honestly, when it comes to her being an atheist, y'all, as she claims, because she first says God wouldn't allow, and then it says, well, God doesn't exist, basically. So first is, this is how God would act if he existed. You know what? I just don't believe in him anymore. And if I'm being honest, when I hear that clip, it just sounds like an angry teenager talking to their parents about, well, if you're going to treat me like this, I don't believe in God anyways. And that's sad enough as it is, as using God as a brokerage chip here for ranting. And sadly, that kind of looks like what they've used God as over and over again. In fact, their entire family, it doesn't look like they had a true relationship with God as they had Britney singing songs like Oops, I Did It Again with her crop top up and suggestive uh, mannerisms and so forth very early on in her career and propping this up as a good thing. That doesn't seem like somebody whose religion is anything other than worthless when it comes to propagating uh, the music, uh, the movements, the sexuality uh, in their own children. It's a sad thing, and to continue that is heartbreaking. But nonetheless, we also look at this, and as it should be that caution of parents to not want this lifestyle for their kids, that should be something they run away from and want nothing to do with. And in truth, what we should be looking at is the parents modeling a behavior of a bride and a bridegroom similar to what we see in Jesus Christ as we are betrothed to Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And so we're supposed to model that behavior to our children so that they would yearn to have relationships like that, not one where they get randomly married and then annulled out in Las Vegas and then another marriage and then another marriage and then another marriage, but that we would cleave together one with our spouse just as we are to cleave to Jesus and have no other lovers, have no other person who is a lover of our soul that Jesus is. We are not supposed to go after feign idols and make up gods in our own image that are okay with celebritism, that are okay with simply selling your body off and sadly enough to celebrate. This was Britney Spears to celebrate her getting out of that conservativeship that her father was watching over her She posted pictures and and videos of her just naked covering just barely her breasts. I mean, this is a a sad display. And so we see that and we say, ah, that is sad. But a third thing, and I'm not saying that she has any right to blame her children for her not believing in God. That's not at all what what I'm trying to say here. But is there a truth? Is there a reality in terms of Scripture where we see that people actually hinder others from coming into a relationship with the one true God, from coming into the kingdom of God. Is there a place in Scripture that actually shows that human beings can do this? Actually, there is. In fact, in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, when Jesus is about to give his eight woes to the Pharisees, he starts off with this one in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven in front of people, for you do not enter it yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. 
Notice right here, one of the woes, the one he starts with in this beginning of eight woes to the Pharisees, he starts with them shutting off the kingdom of God to people. Jesus was very clear about stumbling blocks. In fact, he said in Luke 17 that stumbling blocks are unavoidable, but woe to the one by which they come. It'd be better to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and thrown into the ocean. Guys, we need to make sure that we do not cause anyone to stumble. I think that our lifestyle needs to be one that says, I want to be a picture of Jesus to this world. I want to be a living epistle, not written on stone, but written on men's hearts. And I want my example to be excellent among the Gentiles. I want it excellent among my family. Guys, plenty of people can go to church and simply show up with their Instagram pictures. And they just look really nice for people. And they say, wow, isn't it great that they all stand at attention? And then they leave there and everything is run amok. On the way there, they're slapping each other. They're going crazy in the car and screaming. But guys, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen from time to time if you have enough children. But guys, we want to make sure that we are an example over and over again to our own families, over and over again, even to the outside world, that people will see our good works and glorify God on the day of judgment. This is such an important understanding that we as believers do not cause others to stumble. We do not cause, especially those young in the faith or weak in the faith, as it says in Romans, the 14th chapter, that we do not cause people to stumble by our actions. It's something that we need to be more mindful of. And let this be a testimony of that. Even if you're saying, hey, She's using it as an excuse. She's been a terrible mother. She's been doing her, you know, provocative shows, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, in Scripture, we do see that people can come to a place where they are actually hindering people from coming to the kingdom of God, and I don't ever want that to be the case for myself or for anybody who's watching this show. And guys, I want to bring this up because it's always a passion of mine to talk about 9-11, And the reason for that is not because I want to get into the truther movement or I want to argue who was responsible for it or Osama bin Laden or George Bush or the, you know, whatever it may be, the government. But the reason I want to talk about it is because when we look back at 9-11, we see over and over again the atheistic opportunists that people, I guess, prescribe. They said, let's use this as a chance to really develop atheism as a more understandable religion, or, you know, they don't call it a religion, but that's exactly what it is. Let's look back at this and say, hey, you know what? We can use this as a means to propagate atheism in the normal square of ideas. But sadly enough, atheism wasn't the only thing that exploded from September 11th, 2001. In fact, we interviewed an apologist somebody by the name of Artur Azadurian, who is a Armenian apologist, uh, not Arminian, that he's actually from uh, Armenia, and he actually had Apologia Center in Armenia, one of the only ones of its kind, might be the only one of its kind, and he's local here, we had him in an interview here, but he said when 9-11 took place, he actually almost converted to Islam, and that sounds crazy to most people, especially as an Armenian, knowing exactly what took place with the Turks and what they did with the Armenian genocide. That's like, how could you think like, oh, this is a great time to become a Muslim? But actually that was taking place. In fact, we saw a number of men and women 
convert to Islam when ISIS was killing people. And a lot of people looked at it, and what they saw while the atheists were pointing to the wickedness of religion and then cascading all of religion as, oh, look, it's just, you know, religion runs planes into buildings and, you know, and and so forth. But the Muslims and people that were converting saw a passion there that people really believed it. And that caused people to think, maybe I should become a Muslim. And some did convert after 9-11, sadly enough. And then all of a sudden, there was a campaign by the United States and other places to say Islam is a religion of peace. And I'm telling you this right now. I have friends of mine. We have sat down Ramadan dinner with our Muslim friends and shared the gospel with them and love them. But I'm telling you right now, there is nothing peaceful about the religion of peace, as they call it, when it comes to Islam. In fact, when you look at it, especially when you consider the law of abrogation, where it abrogates all of the other chapters previous to it, and that is chapter 9 of the Quran, and you see that is where you see the most violent text. The law of abrogation say that if there are peaceful verses, they are abrogated by that ninth chapter. And so when they, it says in Surah chapter 9 that they are supposed to slay and enslave all those who do not believe in Allah until they either die or pay a tax, that's something that abrogates all of the rest of anything that was ever said. And so it is important to realize that, no, that is a lie. So when George Bush sat up there and basically said, yeah, Muslims, Christians, we all believe in the same God, that was a lie. And for some reason, so many people, when 9-11 took place, they thought it was their job to say, well, no, 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 Muslims, this is a religion of peace. Now, there were wicked, wicked people who ended up beating up, and I think there was even a Sikh who was killed because they thought he was a Muslim, sadly enough. But those wicked people doing that doesn't allow for a lie to be told regarding the political ideological religion that is Islam and Sharia law and so forth. And we need to share with them the truth of the gospel, point out the errors of not only the Quran, but the Hadith, and also the religion as a whole and the tenets of their faith and why it's completely wrong, but we also need to call a spade a spade when it is wicked. Nonetheless, when we look back at 9-11, one of the things that we see is not just Islam that actually started to grow even more after 9-11, but also atheism. And not only atheism, but even truther movements and so forth. And so many people that I've come in contact with, some of people that were professing Christians— and then eventually got so deep headlong into these truther movements that they left the faith behind. In fact, they used movies like Zeitgeist that made it seem, while just quoting the most non-just ridiculous sort of source material that's no real source material at all, claiming that Jesus was a myth made up of the other gods, absolutely just the most ridiculous statement ever made. But nonetheless, they did that, and they did it starting with, guess what, pushing 9-11 theories and so forth. And over and over again, when we look back at this time, I believe that birthed a ton of truther movements that eventually took people not to the truth of the gospel, but simply going after conspiratorial stuff. And I'm not saying there isn't corruption. I'm not saying there isn't extreme wickedness in, in these places run by Satan himself 
that are using people in government. I'm not saying that's not true, but the reality is, is where did it take you in your relationship with Christ? Where did it put your trust in the Lord rather than trusting in videos made on YouTube? And that includes this one. You don't put your trust in something that I'm saying. Put your trust in what the Word of God says over and over again. But that's not my point. My point is that the enemy definitely used that as an opportunity to bring forth atheism, Islam, and all of these other isms and push people away from the one true God. And I'm going to read from an article. It's one of the first ones I ever wrote for Good Fight, but it was something really short, and we end up posting it every year around this time. And always, you always get the comments without even reading the article, 9-11 was an inside job and all of that stuff. This has nothing to do with that. So if you're just going to comment like that, just save your comment. I just want to encourage you, this has to do with the gospel. And our show, every show we do, we always bring it back to the gospel for a reason. But I want to to read from the article, and this is what it says. On September 11th, 2001, thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. To date, this tragedy is reported to have the greatest loss of police and firefighters in our country's history. With almost 3,000 people passing away from the events that occurred, It is most certainly a memory that we will be burned into the minds of those who were cognitive enough to understand what was happening on that day. Whether you believe that this was a wicked act carried out by our government or that Osama bin Laden helped to orchestrate this sinister plot, we know that ultimately it was guided by a spiritual force that is not of flesh and blood. Sadly, many atheists such as Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris decided after these attacks that they were going to begin an evangelistic effort to turn people away from God and steer them into atheism. They used this tragic event to help advocate for a new atheism, which would challenge religion, agreeing that, quote, religion should not simply be tolerated, but should be countered, criticized, and exposed by rational argument wherever its influence arises. And new atheist Victor J. Stinger would go as far as to saying, quote, science flies you to the moon, religion flies you into buildings. However, we need to ask ourselves this question. Was it religion that made those men fly those planes into those buildings? Actually, no, it was sin. The same sin that sent these men flying planes into buildings is the same sin that moved Pol Pot, Yosef Stalin, Mao Zedong, and Lenin to kill millions upon millions of people. The sin committed by these people is actually the second of the Ten Commandments, which commands us to not fashion a God that will fit their own liking. Every one of these leaders, which would include Muhammad as well, created a god that fit their own image. Whether atheist or otherwise, man will typically worship anything other than the one true God. If we look at Romans 1 on the subject, we find that their rejection of God has nothing to do with the evidence provided. It is made evident within them, but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. These men would rather have their sin than their Savior and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. When we look back at this date, remembering those who were lost, let us also remember that roughly 150,000 people die on a daily basis. What are we doing to make sure they know our Lord and Savior before they die? Do not let an atheist do more evangelism than you. Let us do as Jesus commanded. In Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When I came to know the Lord back in 2009, New atheism was all the rage. It was the thing that was talked about all the time. It was the thing that was brought up all the time. When I was sharing the gospel, I was getting arguments from the likes of Richard Dawkins or Lawrence Krauss or Daniel Dennett or Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens. 
And I started watching some of these debates because I had come out of atheism after watching They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. And I was wondering what some of the arguments were against these very famous atheists who had best-selling books. (laughs) And when I watched them actually bring forth their ideas in front of capable men who were able to answer them, a lot of their arguments seemed quite futile. In fact, I found out after watching Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, that the arguments were pretty weak. And I actually watched it before I came to know Christ. And thinking, as you appeal to authority when you're newfound faith in terms of atheism at the time, I thought everyone must have an answer for how everything was created. And I thought Richard Dawkins would have that answer. But in Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed, all he could give was that aliens basically dropped off some Darwinian evolution on this planet. That would be the best idea. Or guys like, I believe Michael Ruse is in there as well, talking about it must have come on the backs of crystals. And a lot of that sounded ridiculous. But then to come to find out that one of the marquee arguments in Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, is actually a question usually asked by children. And hearing that question was simply, well, if God created everything, who created God? And as you'll see in this interview, this is Dr. John Lennox, who was actually a professor of mathematics at Oxford University and a very well-spoken Christian as well. And you can hear him specifically talk about the who created God question. Richard Dawkins, he shows it, he reveals it in the God delusion where he says, and here's one of his main arguments. I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe it. If you say God created all this, you're going to have to ask who created God. And that's nonsense. And it is nonsense, but not in the way he thought. Because if you ask who created God, you're assuming God is created. Well, I don't believe in a created God. We usually call them idols, and we don't need Dawkins to tell us they don't exist. You see, he's not addressing even the question if there's an eternal God. The Bible claims God is eternal. He's not created. So his question doesn't even apply, as I pointed out to him in that debate. But then I got this thing in the tail. I said, you, you believe the universe created you, don't you? So let me ask you your question, which you think is valid. Who created your creator? I'm still waiting for an answer, and that's 10 years ago. Yeah, John's going to be waiting for that answer quite a long time, trying to get it from good old Richie Dawkins. But nonetheless... He wasn't the only very popular atheist debater. Another debater by the name of Christopher Hitchens, who's now passed away, brought up a very common accusation over and over again about how terrible some of the acts of Christians have been and other religions as well. In his book, God is Not Great. And the argument that he makes is not only is God not great, but religion poisons everything. And here is how Dr. John Lennox answered that one in their debate. I agree very much with Christopher Hitchens. It is repudiation of many of the evils that he claims have been done in the name of God. But I've learned to distinguish between the greatness of God and the inexcusable evil that has been done by those professing his name. And so I do not deduce that God is not great and that religion poisons everything. 
After all, if I fail to distinguish between the genius of Einstein and the abuse of his science to create weapons of mass destruction, I might be tempted to say science is not great and technology poisons everything. I absolutely love that line, and I think it's great. And I think God is great, and I know he is. And it's interesting because I remember reading this quote as a younger believer. And one of the things you find out when it comes to the hypothesis that God doesn't exist, and people, atheists and so forth, specifically popular ones, they'll come with these angry diatribes about who God is and why he, you know, these, here's some instances where he's been bad or something in their mind, judging God from their perspective while having no objective standard of truth or morality to stand on, but then pointing fingers all over the place. But I came to realize something, and it was the same thing that I had come to that conclusion when I was a younger man who didn't believe in God. And the idea was I did not want to be accountable to the very actions that I was committing and the things that I was doing, I didn't want to have ontological accountability. I didn't want to have a being, a God, to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. And so I basically did what Romans 1 describes, and I suppressed the truth and unrighteousness because I wanted to practice my evil deeds without succumbing to the judgment that I deserved. But that's like one of those things, uh, when it comes to gravity, I could not believe it, but if I jump off the building, I'll still go splat. And when I look at this, and I look at this quote from the famous atheist author and professor, Thomas Nagel of NYU, I want you to see that it's not just my opinion that atheists don't want to believe in God, but even their very own words. Quote, I speak from experience being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true and am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that the cosmic authority problem is not a rare condition and that is responsible for much of the scientism and reductionism of our time. One of the tendencies it supports is the ludicrous overruse of evolutionary biology to explain everything about human life, including everything about the human mind. This is a somewhat ridiculous situation. It is just as irrational to be influenced in one's belief by the hope that God does not exist as by the hope that God does exist. And I would say that the Bible can agree with his feelings there. And this is what I mean. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all the workers of wickedness not know who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great dread, for God is with the righteous generation. And I want to encourage you guys to be the ones that are considered in the righteous 
generation, the ones who meditate on God's word day and night and are like the tree planted against the water that bears fruit in its season. Don't be the ones who turn aside from God and suppress the truth and unrighteousness. There is not a single building without a builder. There's never been a painting without a painter. I cannot look at the cosmos. I cannot look at the DNA molecule. I cannot look at creation and not recognize there is a creator. And that, guess what? He's awesome. Turn to him, put your trust in him, and have your sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, which was poured out on Calvary. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.